Hello and welcome to the Transfer Deadline edition of the Footy Fans Podcast. Andrew Santo and Joe here on a Wednesday night, one day after the Premier League, La Liga, Syria, all the above transfer market deadline day has finished. Tons of deals were made, uh, mostly them coming in the Premier League, the big, big ones. And guys, I think there's just nowhere else to start, but Chelsea got their guy, Enzo Fernandez, signs for 107 million pounds from Benfica that Chelsea only spent half the year at Benfica, coming from River Plate in Argentina. I think the deal at that point was only like 20 million or something yeah. that Benfica mm-hmm. paid for him. Chelsea splashed the money again, something that they've done all year. Um, what's what is it now? Almost 600 million U.S. dollars spent since August for Todd Bowley and the new management. We'll go through the players um, team by team, kind of see who made the biggest impacts. But like I said, I think the place to start right now is Chelsea. Uh, is this going to be? I mean, for the future, yes, this is going to be uh, a team to be reckoned with. But the squad that's there now with a 10-point gap from 10th, 11th place to you know the top four, the Champions League spots that Chelsea should be in, is this enough talent for Todd, for uh, Graham Potter to to have the team you know make that top four? I <laughs> don't think they... I don't see it for this year happening for them. Uh, I I personally like the Fernandez uh, purchase. I mean the the money for him. I mean that's you know something else I think to discuss. But uh, I think it's a good signing for them given his age and his performance in the World Cup, which I think you know basically had everything to do with this. Um, I don't know with their purchases if it's going to warrant top four finish this year just because i think they have a lot of things to work on and they have to like start playing as a team and having that real structure um it's inch i'm interested to see where the direction kind of goes because they are you know you had that list up with everyone that they've purchased Mm -hmm. um you know coming up to almost 600 million us dollars uh you know, they have a lot of players to choose from. They have, you know, they have a lot of talent. I think it's getting this team to play as a team and mesh as a team and have everyone buy into the system is what's going to be interesting because, like, you know, you have all these all these guys coming in. Um, how many... is Everyone in blue, is that, like, the new signings? I think that's... On the right? Yeah, I think that's from, from January. That's a lot. A yeah. lot of new people, and this thing, like Santos was saying, you want you could go out and spend tons of money and bring in so many players, but when you look at teams like Arsenal, City, even Newcastle now, um, maybe even like United and, and Tottenham to some level, there's like a very there's a big core group of players that have all played together for a long time, and that's why they mesh really well, and that's almost as important if not more important than the talent you have because at this level like every like especially when you get to the top of the table like everyone all like everyone's class right Mm -hmm. you could spend like well they did they spent like half a billion dollars right um and you can bring in all these guys but you need like the system and the chemistry more so than anything if you want to get in the top four because that's what's going to bring consistency 
Yeah. I mean, look at look at Arsenal. I mean, they've had their huge drive up um, to be a team to be reckoned with. They haven't made like a ton of changes, you know, nothing to the capacity Chelsea's done. Um, Arteta's just like put in a system and put in a structure for them to really, you know, play as a team and buy into a system. And that's what's done. Like, that's what's turned them around, really. Um, you know, granted, they did get uh, Jesus and um, um, Zinchenko. Uh but so, like, it was it was very strategic signings, I think, and they they just fit into the sidewall. So, I'm curious to see what's going to happen here with Chelsea with all these signings. But um, it's it's just a lot of unknowns, I think, right now. Um, I I do want to see like what is their whole team roster looking like now? Like, how many guys do they actually have on the payroll? A lot. <laughs> Lots of things we were saying we were saying yesterday. The guys that they got rid of, it's basically only Jorginho and Timo Werner from guys that were taking up positions and roster spots. Yeah. Obviously, guys being injured kind of plays into that too, like Reese James, Chilwell, Conte. Uh, these guys have been out for a long time, but they haven't dropped enough players to make the guys coming in like balanced, if you, like at roster numbers. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they've signed upwards of almost 10 players like since August yeah. or, or close to it. Um, let's just look at the numbers right here. You know, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 guys. Um, some of them are going to get a lot less playing time than others. Like they signed Andre Santos um, from Brazil, but I think that's more of like a loan deal or he'd be sent out on loan. Yeah. Um, some guys won't even make their appearance until uh, until June, I believe, as well, because they were acquired in the January transfer. So sometimes the contract will be like they'll be the the player coming in, but it won't be until um next season. Yeah. But I just count off fourteen guys and easily, you know, seven of them could be starters. Yeah. And I just don't know if that's gonna fit well with the first team and guys who've already been there for so long, you know, new guys are gonna come in, start taking positions from them. But at the same time, those guys that are in those spots right now could have been the problem. Right? Yeah. Like obviously you have to shake it up for a reason. I mean mm-hmm. they're sitting in, you know, tenth place, not because they've had some bad breaks, but because they're playing like crap yeah. and they're not getting the results they should be and we were talking about just the players coming in and having the coach mentality and kind of change the team around with Tuchel being there for only you know less than 10 games I think it might have been six or seven or eight games that he was there for before Potter came in Potter's coming in with a brand new different scheme that could be completely different to what Tuchel wants to do yeah so we were talking about it yesterday the three of us and just saying how it's like an example of as we said like presidential prime minister so you have like one party that's all for this one mentality, one way of thinking, and then four years go by and a new regime comes in and they have to basically make up for that, you know, last couple of years that we're doing poorly and then change the entire face of like your club, change the entire face of your country yeah. for the better. And it's like, do you do it over time? Kind of like what Arsenal did with like a slow build of a rebuild or, you know, with the pressure that Chelsea always has with Todd Bowley and new management and just from the previous regime regime as well, just being such like a high pressure um, ownership. Do they want to do like a fast rebuild? And I think just from what they've done since January or since August, it's going to be a fast rebuild in Chelsea's eyes. Yeah. But with that being said, it's just way more pressure on the, on the manager mm-hmm. to get, you know, these all, you know, 11 new guys that could be playing in the new starting positions. It's his job to get them going. And I just don't know if it is going to happen this year. I mean, 
being 10 points out uh, at this point in the season, at the end of the deadline, with only a few months left to play, they're going to have Champions League coming up as well against Dortmund uh, in the upcoming weeks. It's going to be tough to you know find the right fit of guys to play in these spots. And this is just from the transfer market website. They put out a projected uh, lineup of what Chelsea could look like and have Mudrik, Jao Felix, Fernandez, and Badia Schill all in the starting 11, taking up positions from Koulibaly, from where Jorginho was. His transfer, obviously, to Arsenal was finalized yesterday. Mudrik is taking up the spot where Pulisic could have played. Jao Felix taking up the spot where Sterling mostly played. Um, when those guys all come back healthy, like they're going to be you know, trying to fight for the, the spots back as well, which would be good team competition. But yeah. at the same time, it's like they just bought Sterling for $65, yeah. $70 million last year. Yeah. And now Jao Felix is going to slide in that spot. Like what's Sterling have, yeah. have to say about that when he comes back? Yeah, and even like Ziyech, Pulisic, they're like, <laughs> like what are they thinking? Like yeah. as well, like Mudrik comes in, Jao Felix comes in. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think the writing might be on the... I mean, especially Pulisic. Like, he's been really struggling a lot to get in the side consistently. And he's actually uh, been injured now, too. Yeah. So he'll miss some time. Um. So, yeah, I think we'll see maybe in the summer some more people leaving Chelsea, depending how it pans out this season. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, that's... And that's the one danger Chelsea could end up finding themselves in, similar to, like, what United was doing. Like, what was it, five, six years ago? When it was just like, oh, let's buy Pogba. And then I don't even remember who they bought. They got like, Sanchez. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Sanchez, like, just buying Di Maria. players. Di Maria. Like, yeah. going back to those days, I'm a little worried that they're going to go fall into that trap. Just like, oh, let's just make another high-profile signing and slot them in. And yeah. then that'll get us into Champions League. So, we'll see. Yeah, I... It's it's we've talked about it before. It's like the hardest thing to do finding that balance of healthy team competition while keeping everyone happy enough to that they're playing right. Um, we'll touch on later with the Jao Cancelo um, signing, but you know City have in a lot of cases been able to figure that out. But you still have it where players you know they don't start playing for a little bit and then they want to leave. Um, it has to do with I think a lot of the soccer culture nowadays. Um, and you know, that's just kind of like the reality of how things are. Um, it's, you have players that just want playing time. Um, I would, you know, hopefully like see where you see players where they're like super committed to the club. And even if they're not playing a ton, they want to stay cause they care about the club. We'll see. If, well, those days you know, are, are kind of gone too. Yeah. I mean, you, you might see where that becomes a new normal, um, you know, hopefully that that happens. Um, but I mean, like transfers are inevitable. You know, regardless, they're going to be here for for the rest of the soccer days that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, with Chelsea, I think it's going to be a big challenge because of all the high profile signings they have and just the the amount of players they have on their squad. Yeah, and the majority of times that we did see players that are super loyal to the club. It's when they're youth academy guys too, mm-hmm. and like they were brought up and raised in yeah. the culture from the age of fourteen, fifteen, whatever it was. Yeah, when they first signed, and then obviously cracking the first team squad is huge for them, and it's just in their blood from like a, a younger age. I mean, John Felix has nothing to do with Chelsea right now. Like he could, could yeah. he could probably care less about Chelsea's history. He probably doesn't even know it. Um, same with Mudrik. You know, these guys who have just kind of broken into the scene last couple of years on their own big stage. Yes, they know the name of Chelsea. I'm I'm sure, but. You know, they don't know like what the history is like and they don't know what all the team chants are like in the locker room and you know the in the in the 
the crowd as well and everything like that. So it is a bit different as like to what we're used to seeing with like younger and um, like smaller clubs, mm-hmm. where it's like you really are close knit and like you would come from like the low ranks, all, like all the way up, kind of like what Nottingham Forest has done or Fulham has done, yeah. Newcastle now to an extent too, and they're kind of seeing the benefits of having some money uh, backing them as well. But those clubs are like where you really see like yeah, um, like the brotherhood. Like I said, yeah, this core here, they're just a bunch of really good players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chelsea's. I mean, my standpoint, we have to just try and hope that they can they they can play together and gel together because the talent is, is definitely there. Yeah, like yeah, this roster here I just named off. You stack these guys up against any other starting eleven, and it's going to be a tough battle. Yeah, you would think. Um, but it just has to you know all pan out for them in the uh, in the coming days. Uh, Chelsea has their first game with this squad potentially on Friday against Fulham. Nice little London derby. Uh, back-to-back London derbies, actually, because then they play against West Ham mm-hmm. the following week. And then their first um, knockout stage match against Dortmund would be in Germany on the 15th of February. So three pretty big games coming up, two that are really going to affect the table. West Ham kind of being the bottom, Fulham kind of being right there in Chelsea's spot, or a similar spot in seventh place. Uh, Chelsea obviously wants to try and catch them, being only two points back. And then, yeah, Champions League is a whole different animal. And just, you know, transition over to his side that just picked up a player from Chelsea maybe for the Champions League games. Jorginho leaving London's side of Chelsea, basically going across the road to Emirates to join Arsenal for a £12 million fee. I think this one is mostly for like a Champions League mm-hmm. kind of cup ties because like you're not going to break, you're not going to bring somebody in in a midfield position and just have them take over what's already a pretty proven core of guys. Yeah. Um, you know, Arsenal being in first place, 50 points, five points ahead of Man City with the game in hand as well. That midfield core of, you know, Xhaka, Odegaard, and Thomas Partey, you're not going to break that up just to bring Jorginho in yeah. on a day-to-day basis for the remainder, you know, 19 games of the season for them. Yeah. Uh, but it does add some more depth, some more skill. But again, like in Jorginho's point of view, he's 30 years old now. He's obviously proven. You're a European Championship winner, Champions League winner. Do you think he's going to be okay with kind of taking a backseat? Because he's been playing every game at Chelsea. He's the first guy on the sheet for Graham Potter yeah. in, that, in that midfield. Do you yeah. think he's going to be okay with, you know, maybe taking a little lesser role at, at Arsenal? Uh, I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, tough. It's, it's a really hard spot to be in. Cause like Cause I said, like he's, he's played every game. If I was him, I would have made the move. Because, like, I'm look, like, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes at Chelsea. But if I'm 30, I'm like, do I want to spend the latter years of my career in Chelsea where it's just like... Don't know what to expect. I have no idea what to expect. Or do I want to go to Arsenal, be a squad player of like a team that has a plan and that's going to be in Champions League next year? Um, You know, Jorginho's probably thinking like, I can go to this team. You know, I can maybe get some rotation in whenever Xhaka, Odegaard, or Partey need a break. Um, you know, obviously they're going to make Champions League unless barring a massive disaster, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, you know, playing the Champions League next year, potentially. Um, you know, I would probably make that move. Because, um, like, yeah, with Chelsea, like, if I'm Jorginho, it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I don't even know if we're ever going to make Champions League football in the next three years. Yeah. And I'm going to retire and just be like, well, oh, is that like Chelsea? And we were just like mid table. Yeah. And like, I don't know if he really wants that. So, I mean, I would have done it. It goes down to his uh, mentality. Um, 
you know, it's really down to him. If he's okay with being a squad player, then it's like the perfect move for him. If he's like, I want to play 90 minutes, then should have stayed at Chelsea. But like, obviously because he made the move, it's probably the yeah. latter. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I think it's a pretty decent move. Um, I do think he's going to play quite a bit to be honest for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, well, I think he'll, he'll start playing with them like quite a bit. Um, and then if he puts in the performances, I think it's going to continue. Uh, so it's going to be how, in terms of how much he gels with the team. Cause honestly, if he's like providing value and he's making like a huge difference, then, you know, I can, I can see him playing like 90 minutes every game and just turning into that guy that's on the sheet. You know, he brings the experience, um, which is something that we've talked about that Arsenal like might need, uh, with like the youth that they have in their club. But mm-hmm. yeah, I could see him slotting in for, for Thomas, like, in the middle right there yeah no middle problem. spot yeah yeah, yeah because and the way like that, making that his own yeah like the way that they do line up to 4-3-3 a pretty standard um, formation they play narrow 4-3-3 like Odegaard and Jaka don't really get very wide yeah that kind of is more for Zinchenko and, and Ben White to you know go up and down the flanks there so he could yeah play more of a central role I just don't know if he's going to go in there and overtake what Thomas Party has done yeah. so far like he's been so dynamic for them defensively yeah. as well too yeah he's been really good like I think like you said he might just go in for no, I think they have an FA Cup. Oh no, they're out, they're out now. The FA Cup, aren't they? Or is that the first leg against Man City? I don't they, know. They lost. We'll have to check that. I don't know. Um, like they could have that competition as well, but obviously they're in Europa League. They're not in Champions League this year, but they have that competition, and then just trying to seal the rest of the season too. So I think he will just be, um, like a minute man. Like you know, they'll kind of bring him in when mm-hmm. they have to, just to try and maybe sure up the midfield. Because uh, I don't really see him getting other playing time in this formation unless Arteta has a different formation that they can maybe play like a diamond in the middle with him kind of like more central and like put Thomas party more back. I don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there was a reason why they did it because, you know, transfers between Chelsea and Arsenal, they're not yeah. common. Like, you know, we've seen you know, David Luiz go there. We've seen William go there. Fabregas. Fabregas, Jesus Christ. Yeah. There's <laughs> a name I haven't heard in a while. Um, all those guys, you know, they've had the transfers in and out between, you know, two London sides, which is not very common, but they wouldn't have got this deal done if it wasn't going to be for a reason. Mm-hmm. And Arteta must have a plan to get him involved. His contract with Chelsea was up at the end of the season. So I'm um, just reading some reports that he's going to sign an extension to at least 2024 with Arsenal. So he'll be there for the re- remainder of this season and into next year as well. Um, 31 years old. He's seen a lot of experience. I mean, he's, Probably got the same amount of experience as Granit Xhaka has now with the Premier League, as I would think. Yeah. Um, going to a really young side, he could just be there's like a mentor role as well too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking because like you look at the starting lineup outside of Xhaka, everyone is very young, very young, yeah. or like obviously new to the team. Um, obviously like Zinchenko is really like taking a leadership role, even though it's his first year. Um, but just like obviously the experience at Man City, winning titles, just bring that mentality, but. Look at everyone else. Like everyone's super young, and like look at the bench too. You go down. Like everyone's just, you know, like super, super young, young. Very, very, very young team. Very young team. So I think it is a good move because, you know, he's. It's going to be similar to Thiago Silva. I mean, granted, Chelsea, um, like they did have some experienced players, um, but you know, Thiago Silva comes in and immediately just takes on that mentor- mentorship leadership role in the team. Um, so it's probably going to be some, something similar with Jorginho. Um, so yeah, that's what, that's what I would think. 
you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, yeah, I think he'll go in there and just get the minutes that he has to um, when called upon. And I'm sure, you know, he's not going to disappoint. He's he's a very, he's, I think he's like a very conservative player. Like he doesn't really make many mistakes. He's a PK specialist. <laughs> Uh, yeah, most of the time, except when playing Italy. Yeah, yeah, that's why I said most the, of the time. In the, in the, uh, the most important qualification. <laughs> um, oh man, it's tough, tough, a lot of pressure. Yeah, like I think the last two seasons he has like ten goals. I think nine of them are from the PK spot um, for Chelsea. So yeah, he, he'll be a good addition to them. It's it's gonna be tough to see him go. He's been there for such a long time. Uh, that part, part, partnership with Kovacic was pretty long lasting, but you know now they got Enzo Fernandez for the next ten years. Yeah, or whatever it is, eight years. Um, to kind of fill that void. Um, another player that's going to be out for time and a void that had to be filled was Erickson at Manchester United. Uh, ankle injury set to return towards the end of April is a huge loss for them uh, in their their title hopes. Uh, what place are they in right now? Fourth place, you know, 11 points back from, from Arsenal. But right now I think their biggest battle is to just um, retain a Champions League position mm-hmm. um, for the remainder of the season. And their solution was to go out and sign Marcel Sabitzer, the Austrian from Bayern Munich. Uh, he's played, I think, 19 games so far. I'm uh, sorry, 15 games so far for Bayern Munich. One goal, one assist. But the stat that I found interesting was that he and Christian Eriksen have very similar um, uh, statistics this season when it comes to passes per game, passing accuracy, mm-hmm. passes in the final third, chances created per game, and touches per game. On most of these categories, Sabitzer actually has more than Ericsson. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe just has to kind of touch on the fact that I think Sabitzer is playing with a better class of people right now at Bayern Munich. Not Taking nothing away from United, but I think just stacked up against each other, I would take the Bayern squad over what United has right now. Yeah. So, I mean, like, the chances created per game, like, he only has one on here, but I'm sure that number can go up with, like, just passing the ball to Sadio Mane. Yeah. And he'll, like, dangle somebody and the chance created. Yeah. Um, but pat, uh, touches per game, 83 to 71 in favor of Sabitzer. Passing accuracy, pretty much on par. Uh, he passes the ball around average of 10 more times per game and pass in the final third, they each have 20 um, on average. So if you're going to you know, try and find a good replacement for Christian Eriksen, how about just like basically a clone copy of him Yeah. in what Sabitzer can do? And hopefully he can just kind of slot into that spot that Eriksen was in because we know that Fred... And McTominay and that experience or experiment, sorry, didn't really pan out. Hmm. They needed to have someone next to Bruno Fernandez to accomp- uh, accommodate him and compliment him. Yeah, throughout the uh, the match, and I think you know, it's a guy that I basically only watch play when it comes to Euro competitions or like European Cup for for Austria. But whenever I do see him play, he's always really involved. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he's he's a good he's a good player. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it's it's decent. I mean, it's one of those things like the the stats are close. You will have to see how he actually slots into the side. I mean, there's there's so much that happens that you can't tell from like what stats read. Um, but you like all you can go on is based off the stats you have. So it's like kind of mm-hmm. thing, like you you have to you have to rely on the stats. Um, but you always have to like um, know that things can change. Um, but yeah, I mean, stats wise, looking really good. Um, and yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how we, how he fits into the side at Man U. <laughs> We're just looking at the lineups for the Man U Man City game. I'm still can't get over the Rashford thing. Oh yeah, that was wild. Never. I've watched. Oh, I don't yeah. know how many highlights of just 
through balls coming through and players just running after it and being like 20 yards away from the ball. But because they're running after it, the linesman calls offside. He almost had to <laughs> avoid the ball. He was so close to it. Yeah. Yeah. He had to, he was like, like, his foot was there about to kick it. It was just funny. Everyone's like looking at like the fine margins, like, well, but like he's like this far away. It's like, if, I, you, just, if you just look at it. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you just if I you mean, like take away like the breakdown and just actually watch the play. Yeah. It's like, he was gonna kick that ball. Yeah. I watched like yeah. I was. Who was I watching? I think it was Byron and someone, and I think it was Mane or some or Sane <laughs> running after the ball, and he's like fifteen yards away, but like he still gets flagged offside, and he's like, "Oh yeah, he was offside." <laughs> this yeah. one just, I don't know. <laughs> Huge. Massive. Huge crazy. I think if the game, I, I've said it before, if the game was at Man City, if it was at the Etihad, that would be called. Yeah. I think that had some home favoritism Just to it. Yeah. So, like, I've never seen that. And with Tavar, and Var's like, that's good. He ran out. He he was running. That's the thing. He was running. Now, transfer market to VAR podcast again. Yeah, that happens. He was <laughs> running. He was clearly making an attempt to play the ball, running for like 20 yards. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. he was the only guy in on goal for like the entire time. And then. Yeah. And well, Ake's who, obviously who came and scored that Bruno. 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 Yeah. yeah, he came out of nowhere and like just snatched it away from him, or else yeah. he would have shot that probably. Yeah, which is super strange. And and everyone's like, oh, he didn't affect the play and all this stuff. I'm like, if Rash and thinking about it now, if Rashford wasn't there, Ederson probably could have like ran out and got there. Yeah, he. But like yeah. he, because like Bruno Fernandez was pretty far away. But uh, yeah, so like yeah, Ederson would have like stopped his run because he was probably trying to like size like square up to where Rashford was to take the shot. Yeah. Yeah, so he stopped. Like he, he played position instead of like, coming up to get the ball because yeah. Rashford was like super involved in the play. Yeah. yeah, but if Rashford like wasn't there, he probably like he any if he, if Rashford wasn't there and he saw Ake might not have or not Ake Akanji wasn't going to get there, and he just saw Bruno, he probably would have made the decision. I probably got to come out and clear this, but because Rashford was there, he's like I can't do that, and he's Rashford's <laughs> coming at me right now. Yeah. So um, and what VAR come out and say after? Like it was, they said it was the right call. Yeah. Of course they did. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just one of those things that was missed. I mean, yeah, it totally affected what Ederson did with what Rashford was doing. So. Yeah. But how well, can you say it's missed? We're not gonna, it goes now we're going to watch it. Now we're going to watch um, it. Here we go. I like no, it. I th- yeah, I think it's just something that both the ref and VAR might have... Just Wait, how do you like? It's market. how do you say it's a miss? I remember watching. Thing. I was like, <laughs> I I jumped up out of my chair when I saw that it was. <laughs> it's, it's not even that. It's not even. That's that, absurd. You play the. Why is it like? Oh, can you like play the whole? Yeah. Yeah, it's right here. Super, like, we're just watching. And like very offside, by the way, too. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's so funny and th- he's very offside yeah i don't know why bruno's like making a huge like uh, yeah i, don't I know. think because th- wait because the linesman does call offside right like he's five feet offside yeah linesman calls offside yeah yeah 100 percent. i right can't point. believe var overturned this like he's right there, and Ederson doesn't he's know almost, what to do. He's almost on the ball. Like he's he's literally. That's he, that's he has to stutter step to avoid the ball. That's what's super surprising to me because like, and you could even say that he shields Akanji away from the ball as yeah. well. 
Like he he gets in front. It's like not very deliberate, but he gets in front of Akanji. Yeah, and and that's like the thing. He, like he shields him from the ball to give Fernandez. The I think there has to, shoot. to be like, a rule where if a player is that close to a ball and like he could shoot, like you're throwing the goalie off and you're offside. Well, yeah. And what's super sketchy is you see Walker. Like if if Rashford wasn't there, Walker would have stepped in front of Fernandez for sure. But like Walker gets thrown off here too. Look at his run. Wait yeah, for it. Very offside. Look, Walker for sure could have probably like Walker. I don't know went like beside Ederson for I don't know what reason, but that's super. Yeah. I'm and so the line's been called. Point on, you just know that the game's going to go United's way. Yeah. yeah, they come back. You know, three minutes later and score the winner. Of course, is Rashford. <laughs> I mean, good turn there, though. Yeah, that was a good turn. I don't know what Andrew's doing there. He's probably shooken up from the goal, but. I'm shocked VAR overturned that. I am and I'm not because like it would make sense for them to do it and of course they do something that doesn't make sense. So like I don't I'm not totally blindsided by it. The fact that it, it just like we've seen a lot less called offside. Like we've seen way closer margins before of like of like possible offsides where yeah. it's literally a guy's pinky and it gets called offside when this is clearly he's five feet offside. Yeah. yeah he's clearly obstructs at the play. Clearly making an attempt for the ball. And the offside is called. He's, he's like they running it. after him. Yeah. That's the, that's the kicker. That's, that, is, that is the kicker. They overturned it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like it was not like it was like a really close offside. They weren't sure. The goal was given. And then they reviewed it and they say good. The offside was called because it was offside. And then VAR overturns it. Madness. That's just, that's just a wild, Madness. wild attempt. Madness. Uh, Oh, what is it? Do you guys know what, like, I mean, see, what what has, like, Pep or, like, anyone on City said about this? Well, Ten Hag said it was offside. What? <laughs> I think Ten Hag said we got lucky on that call. Oh, oh did he came I think so. I didn't yeah. see that. I, he's something like that. Yeah, um, I, and that makes sense. Like, he's the type of guy where I think he's just, like, real about stuff. Um, I don't Well, when, it's, exactly. when it looks like that, you kind of have to be. Yeah, like. Like, you can't fabricate, yeah. like, a story when you see it like that. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, yeah. he was just slowing down and he, I don't know, like. Yeah, like I, I, you can't make an excuse as to why yeah. that happened. Like, yeah. it was very deliberate. And I remember seeing, um, it was like a screenshot from behind the goal, and it was Ederson coming out of his box to like you know defend the angle. And at one point, the ball's in the middle between Bruno Fernandez and Rashford, and it's like you have no idea who's going to shoot the ball at this point. Like it's like yeah. a still it's a still shot, and it's like looking at Ederson's perspective, and he has no idea who's going to kick the ball because they're the same distance apart from the ball. And they're both like basically winding up for a shot. Yeah, Rashford is winding up for a so shot. So it's like, how do you, like, if you're Ederson, how do you know which guy's going to shoot the ball? Yeah. So that's clearly, again, obstruction. Like, the, oh, man. Again, even obstruction calls, you've seen like a lot less given before for obstruction. Yeah. Um, whether it be like a shot from the 18 yard box and a guy's kind in front of the goalie in offside position. Yeah. And like maybe. You yeah, know, even if you're just in offside position, like obstructing the goalie's view, it's like offside. Yeah. But again, like I read the rules, and the rules are super vague, which leaves it up to interpretation. So they can, of course, like, it does. Yeah. <laughs> again, it's it's based, uh, yeah, it's based all on interpretation and like personal opinion. No one knows. It's so true. No one knows what offside is anymore. That's why VAR is just like the grossest thing ever made. It's like you're just you're just leaving it up to someone's like thought process on that day. Yeah. Because you know any VAR like there could have been three or four different VAR officials that were in London somewhere doing another game that would have been like, oh, yeah, it's definitely offside. Yeah. Like, there's no way in hell you can tell me that every referee and crew throughout... That's what they should do. They should do, like, um, like surveys and stuff. 
like here, here this scenario happened last game. Like, which one of you thinks was offside or not offside? And I'm sure they'll get different answers. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be 100% clear cut. Oh, yeah, this is definitely offside. Yeah. Like, it just depends what crew you have that day. Which is, like, ridiculous because, it's again, it's just interpretation <laughs> of the rule. Yeah. It's, there's no way in hell everyone would say that's offside. Offside, not offside. Yeah. Um. Transfers. <laughs> have to talk about VAR at some point yeah in this I mean podcast. it wouldn't be a footy fans podcast if VAR didn't get brought up at some point point. and we this game was we haven't talked about this game on the podcast because we have had a lot of time off I was working yeah um, just couldn't really get together but you know just the big news now is transfer deadlines and yeah I think just going back to you know full circle with United I think Savitra would be a good spot uh, being a good you know good replacement for, for Erickson we'll have to obviously see how he does perform but uh, yeah, if they if they want to keep pace, you know they gotta you know still get the results. Um, coming off another big win today, actually though in the League Cup against Nottingham Forest. Yep. Yeah, yep. So they'll face Newcastle United in what seems like a '90s throwback yeah. know, final of the glory days of Newcastle and Alan Shearer. Uh, that'll take place somewhat towards the end of the season, I think, when the snow's gone and the skies clear up. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like May or something like that. They'll probably do that. I cup. think EFL Cup. Yeah, May. Well, season. When's the season done? End of May, June. It's EFL's before the end of the season. Yes. Yeah. So um, sometime. Because I know FA Cup is like after the season's done. I don't know how that posted yet. No, I don't think I checked the other day. I don't think they do. Yeah, May twentieth is the last match of the season. So probably before that, at some point. Because then Champions League would be after that, whenever that is, like in June sometime. Yeah. Um, Newcastle didn't really make any big, big splashes. Um, Except for, what's his face? Hmm. From Everton. Newcastle, they bought... Uh, oh, Aaron Gordon. Aaron, Anthony Gordon. Anthony, I keep saying Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon's a basketball player. I just see A. Gordon. I think it's Aaron Gordon. Anthony yeah, Gordon. I think you said the exact same yeah, sentence. I did. <laughs> I did. I told you guys that before the other day. Um, this kid, man, yeah, this kid just came out of nowhere. He's played in Everton for a couple of years now. Chelsea wanted him last year, apparently, for like someone of 60, 80 million, whatever it was. Yeah. And I think I told you guys last year, I'm like, who the hell is Anthony Gordon? Like, Yeah. This guy's like... I, Maybe it's like, you know, my own kind of, uh, what's the word? Ignorance. That oh. I didn't, I didn't really know who he was. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, you just you toss a guy's name I might have heard twice in my life for 80 million. Like, I don't think that's worth yeah. it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, I feel like, I feel like the deal might have gone for 40. Um, I think. Let's see what it was. Forty-five, yeah. Okay. Forty-five million. Um. Forty million, forty-five million. Different reports, of course. Uh, he's gonna attack a midfielder, quick young player. Looks like a Fortnite guy. He looks like ninja. <laughs> um, I mean, I could like he's a good player though. Like, I, I definitely, yeah. he is an impactful player. I mean, at Everton, obviously, they didn't get the results that they really needed or wanted. For Lampard to keep his job. A side note there, Frank Lampard out at Everton. Sean Deitch, the former Bar- uh, Burnley, I said Barnsley, Burnley manager, uh, is going to try and see them out of relegation. But um, 
Anthony Gordon, he's yeah. I think he just might be another piece of the puzzle that Newcastle Newcastle can use going forward. They obviously have shown a lot of success in the last two seasons since Eddie Howe has taken over and since the money has really been there from their new owners. And he might just be another guy that can just you know slot into position, maybe um, you know be an impact player, maybe be a, you know an X factor sub coming in. Him being as young as he is, I think he might have to like work on some playing time. But I mean, mm-hmm. forty mil. Like that's obviously a huge move, um, so maybe like with the money backing, he might want to get a starting role right away. But again, we'll have to see how that how that pans out. And we know Eddie Howe is good at developing young players and talent too, so maybe he'll kind of take him under his wing a little bit more, give him some more playing time, and like ease him into the side. But it's just another piece of the puzzle for Everton or for uh, Newcastle, sorry. And he's gonna really help them with their push and try and sustain them you on know, the top four spot, sitting in third place right now. Tie with uh, tie with Man U, three points ahead of fifth place Tottenham, six points back of Man City. I mean, they were sitting like that second place spot for a minute too. Yeah. Um, they had some draws, unfortunately, go their yeah. way in the last uh, few three games. Draws there, in the last five matches. Yeah, it's tough when you have a side like City that just keeps winning. Obviously, yeah. their loss to Man U, we just talked about, was um was going to really hurt the title chances. Being five points back now with a game in hand. Yep. With Arsenal having a game in hand, sorry, but as far as Newcastle is concerned. I mean, them only giving up 11 goals this season is a wild statistic. Um, 20 games played, 11 goals against. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen like a ratio like that in a very long time. Even dating back to like the Pep days of like a couple years ago in Klopp as well with Liverpool when they were really dominating the league. Yeah. Because those teams where they obviously like can score a lot of goals and they'll win a game like 4-3, 5-4 maybe or something, 5-3. But Newcastle, it's less than, almost less than a goal a game that they're giving up. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like one goal every other game, looks like. Is that what I meant? Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. That's yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Like, you look at City stats, they're giving up a goal a game, yeah. which is a little surprising. But yeah, they're on they're, they're on track to get into Champions League. They keep playing like this. You know, that's the one thing. If you, if you defend really well, you won't lose a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Fact. Yeah. <laughs> um,. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to see what happens with the title here. I think, you know, we've said it before, and the fact that City and Arsenal still haven't played each other in the league is twice is huge for what this title race is going to see. So that's, you know, it's coming down to that for me, really. Um, That could really swing. That could literally swing the table. Oh, yeah. Just those two games, right? Yeah, Yeah. Wednesday, February 15th. Yeah, next Wednesday. Uh, Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks from today. Two weeks from recording. Nice. Then the return game is the 26th. Yeah. yeah, so we'll see. Look at these three games for Arsenal. April 26th, Man City. 29th, Chelsea. 6th, Newcastle. Solid running games. Yeah. Solid or <laughs> scary? <laughs> what City looks like last six? Because then their last three is like... Yeah, I think they have an easier run. Well, they're... They got Chelsea in the last three, so definitely easier. Uh, so their last six games, like well, yeah, Arsenal, Fulham, Leeds, Everton, oh, Chelsea. Yeah, pre- honestly, their last like nine games are actually like it's outside of Arsenal. I mean, Chelsea's probably still gonna be tenth, so we'll see. Probably. Well, Fulham's you know top seven, Brighton's top seven or eight, Leeds and Everton be fighting for relegation, relegation, yeah. so they'll be fighting for their lives. Brentford kind of just chilling mid table. Yeah. Um, it won't be easy, but I think I prefer the Man City schedule. Yeah, 
over Arsenal. Yeah, I would too. And just also April 1st, Liverpool, Man City as well. So like the final month of April and May, I mean, yeah. what, seven of these games are going to be kind of tough? Well, they're not right well, off, so let's just call them that. Like, they're not yeah. going to be just written off as wins. Yeah. Even though Pep would never, you know, have the mentality, I think. Yeah, but he would, go in, he would probably just go into every game, like, die hard to win, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where do I go to next? John Joe Shelby, back in the league. <laughs> John Joe yeah. Shelby. Um, remember at one uh, time, he was, like, Liverpool's golden boy, or potential new, yeah. new golden boy, and then goes to Newcastle. Yeah. He was at uh, Swansea for a while, too. I believe. I think so. I think that might have been like a loan spell or something from Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah. Where's he been since like... I think he's been now. with Newcastle. He just hasn't really played. Yeah. Hmm. Um, he's going to Nottingham Forest and joining Keeler Navas as well. Uh, Ex-PSG goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, he's going there on loan. Maybe loan to buy. I'm not sure. A lot of those deals in January are loan to buy. Yeah. Because it'll be like kind of like what Jorginho is. He's not obviously being loaned, but he's like you get loaned for like the six months and then you yeah. just get bought out because your contract's done. Yeah. Um, it could be one of those deals. But I think it's kind of interesting that Kilo Nava is going to Nottingham Forest, so they're really going to try and survive. Yep. Um, 13th place, 21 points, only four away from relegation. That's crazy. From 13th to 20th is only six points. Two wins. Like. Yeah. But again, we've said before, like where are the two wins going to come from? <laughs> like, unless you're playing at the next, next side below you. Yeah. Um, it's always tough to find points if you're in the bottom, bottom six, seven teams there. Yeah, I'm shocked. Like out of all these teams, I'm shocked. Like Leicester's still down there. Jeez. Like I'm shocked. Is Vernon uh, Rogers still at Leicester? Yeah, that's one of my tough. biggest shocks of the year. Like. From the season that they had going from them at the beginning of the year, they were in relegation for like weeks upon weeks. Yeah. They were in 18th, 19th consecutively, like consecutive weeks. And for him to have the pedigree that he has and for Lester to be the team that they have been in the last six, seven years, I was so surprised he kept his job still. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're three <laughs> points clear at the bottom, which is wild from 14th to 20th, three points. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what's best for Lester. They like to stick with the guy, um, see it through. Um, I don't know. I mean, if you have, if he has a plan then yeah, cause like it's Brendan, but like it's the same thing with Everton. Everton brought in Rafa Benitez. They spent a ton of money and built this like on paper, really good squad. Yeah. <laughs> they almost got relegated. Yeah, they just yeah. Stink. And now they're. Back in the same spot. Same after all that. Saying, yeah, Lampard comes in from last year, tries to revive the team, and then they're even worse off now than they were last year. Yeah. So we'll see what Sean Dyche can do, uh, bringing in some new, some new talent possibly to Everton. I mean, they didn't really spend too much in the transfer window. Uh, it seems like they're kind of starting to try and offload players, like with the Anthony Gordon transfer and um, some other smaller deals that were done on the side. Nothing big, no no big splashes. I think the money's just not there too for Everton. Mm-hmm. Um, so like even if they wanted to get a high-impact player, it'd be from somebody, maybe from the championship, like you know, from Sunderland or Stoke or something. So we, I saw a couple of guys get brought up from those um, lower-end teams and divisions. Uh, where was the one name here? Um, yeah, Harry Sutar from, from um, Stoke. Going to Leicester for fifteen million. Um, yeah, thirty-five goals given up this year by Leicester, tied for second most in the league. 
that's just not going to... No. What did Joe just say? You don't give up a lot of goals, you're going to win games? If you defend well, you yeah, won't lose games. Yeah, if you defend well, you won't lose if games. If you give up 35 goals in 20 games, yeah, you're probably going to lose a lot, right, Joe? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Unless you score a lot. Whichever Unless you score really a lot. <laughs> Unless you score a lot. I mean, Lester has... 35 against, 28 scores goals for. 60 goals. They score more goals than Chelsea has so far this year. 22 <laughs> goals. 22 goals. I wish you could filter by goals right now. I don't think you can. No. Well, I mean, they're... They're like mid-table for like goals four. Like yeah. they're a plus one. Like they're very, they're very mid-table. <laughs> yeah. They're about as mid-table as you can get. Yeah, they have the closest uh, goal differential um, to anyone else. Fulham's <laughs> a plus two. But they scored 32 goals and given up 30. Yeah. So that's what you have to do. If you're Leicester, you got to give up. you got to score, like, at least two more goals. they got to score 37 goals, not 28. They need 10 more goals somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that's kind of like Vardy. Vardy hasn't really done anything this year, right? Eh? Well, and that's what I mean. Like, you look at their – well, I don't even really know who's on their squad anymore. But, like, like Vardy and Madison and – I mean, they just sold Fafana, which is – Harvey Barnes. Yeah, like Tielemans, you've got like Albrighton. Like, this is not a bad squad. So, something's just like, I don't know. I they still need... love Ian Nacho. Yeah. I feel like he should have gone somewhere else and be a starter. Maybe, yeah, I mean, it's tough. Maybe not now. Now, like, I don't know where he would go. Like, you're just like, you're struggling to get into Leicester City now. It's just tough. 26 years old. But, like, yeah, he's been around the Premier League for so long. Like, he kind of knows how to play in the Premier League. He just doesn't get, yeah like, the minutes, I think, given to him. And, like, when Vardy's there, he's obviously not going to take Vardy's spot, even though he's not maybe in the best of form lately. Um, one goal this year in the Premier League for Vardy. Yeah. One goal in 20 matches from your number nine. I mean, that's obviously a huge red flag as to why. <laughs> maybe you're not doing so hot in the table. But, I mean, like, guys like Barnes and Madison have, like, picked the slack up. Um, seven goals in 18 games for Barnes. Let's throw some assists in there as well. He's always seems to be involved in the mix. And if you ever, if you're a betting man, take shots with Harvey Barnes because I think he usually gets like maybe two shots per game is like what like he has to eclipse for you to yeah. win your bet. And this guy shoots like 19 times a game. <laughs> like from the, like the if you watch a game, you'll see him take like the wildest shots. Um, so yeah, bet the over. Bet the over on on Harvey <laughs> Barnes shot attempts. All right. You'll, you'll probably hit on uh, on that. But as far yeah, as far as other rele- um, I can't talk right now. Relegations. As far as other transfers in the Premier League, the big one going out, Jacinto. Yeah. Leaving Man City, only being there for what two full seasons? Seasons and a half. I think it was three. Three full but, seasons. But the first one he played didn't play too much. I think. Okay. Um, not totally sure. It's all Jao. It's all Jao. Yeah, Joao. Joao. Um, he signed with Man City back in 2019. So yeah, three years. Yeah. Um, this would be his third season. Goes to Bayern Munich. Um, another, it's another one of those loan transfer deals. So I think he'll be loaned, and then the transfer will be complete. Upwards of 70 mil, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. For the signing. Yeah. Uh. I I think it was 70 mil. Huge number. Yeah. Um, he's going to fit on the right side of the pitch, put all, put up on the Daves on the left side of the pitch for Bayern. 
you know, two-headed attack from your wing-back play obviously is going to help them going forward. I think I was reading saying that Bayern's kind of had a hard time um, creating offensive chances this season and, uh, you know, attacking. And that's going to obviously clean that up with having Jacques Cancelo, a player like his, uh, with his pedigree and his skill set. Yeah. But just going back to, like, the Premier League side of things, do you think there's more to it than him just, like, leaving? And I know we said before, like, it maybe looks at something like, look at the fact that he wasn't getting playing time or not as yeah. much playing time as he used to get. Um, they're denying rumors of falling out between him and Pep personally. But a guy of his pedigree, like I said, and only being, what, 25 years old? Like, wouldn't you want to lock this guy up long-term if you're Man City? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough to say what would have went on in the background, but I think if... Um, like, the fact that... Oh, he's 28 years old, like, so no- Nothing's, like, come out. Um, you know, it could just be, like, he just wanted more playing time and he wasn't getting there, and I think that's the the risk not the risk you run but like the the reality of the situation we have like a lot of top players on your team like city where they all want to play and at the end of the day if someone's not getting enough playing time they they might feel like they deserve to be playing more and they'll want to find what their next thing is so could just be that he wanted to play more but i think it's tough to say if anything actually like happened training ground bust up i don't even know that's true yeah who knows um what he got an assist on his first game yeah, so he already made his debut in a match today against Mines. Uh, creates an assist, and yeah, part of the headline says that he had a, a bust up with with Pep yeah. in the training mm-hmm. ground. But you know, again, like, who, who knows? really knows if that's that's accurate or not, or if it's just you know the media doing its job, mm-hmm. stirring the pot a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think what it just comes down to is, is lack of playing time, which obviously it's going to frustrate anybody. And a guy who's been there for three years now, and uh, you, you know Nathan Ake's kind of slid into that spot yeah. over time. Um, I mean, if if it was up to me, I think I would probably play Jock and Silva over Nathan, Nathan Ake. Mm-hmm. But again, like what goes on in the training ground and how players do perform um, in practice, and you know it obviously translates to game time and all that kind of stuff. Their mentality, their attitude. So maybe there was a coming together. Maybe there was just some discomfort, which again it happens in any sport. You know, guys like, you know, why am I playing? Not like, why am I not playing as much as I used to? Like, you know, go to the coach, go to the training mm-hmm. staff, ask these questions. For him, it might have just been an easier fix. Okay, get me out of here. Get me to somewhere that I will play. He obviously isn't going down in skill with like a team that he's joining. He's not, you know, depreciating his value at all. He's joining Bayern Munich. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I think it'd be a good fit for him. Clearly, it's the results are speak for themselves. You know, he'd already got an assist in his first match, and. Yeah, he's just gonna you know help them continue to be the giants that they are in German soccer. And again, can he play Champions League? What do you mean? Sometimes you can't play Champions League for a certain team if you've already played for another team. I think. Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. But it might be for knockout yeah. state or something. Might be. Yeah, maybe. Um, I could just want that's a rule. Like if you've already, kind of like like what they do for international. Like if you already yeah. played for like an international like tournament for a country, you can't play for another one. I think for Champions League, it's like similar. If you play for a team at some point in Champions League, you can't be transferred and play for like another one. Yeah. That Maybe. might be true. Yeah. But I don't know if it's like after group stage. I don't yeah. know. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Someone look that up. Let us know. Or we could probably just look it up. I'll look it up. <laughs> I'm right here. Actually. Can you play for two teams in the Champions League? 
Uh, I feel like that's a rule because there's something with. Oh, there we go. Can you? What? Only? Oh, so you can't have like multi. So only, like if as long as Jao Cancelo is the only one, then he he can. But like, it's say say like, let's say Holland went to Bayern. Like Holland couldn't play. It says a player yeah. who has appeared for a football yeah, club during a knockout cup, but subsequently transfers to another club is ineligible to play for the new club in the remainder of that season's cup cup competition. So I think it's the knockout. Oh, oh yeah, okay, cup tied. Okay. So your cup tied is the knockout stage, which they have not played yet. Okay. Oh, okay. Which makes sense. So you should be good for Bayern Munich's matchup. Yeah. The competition buying talent players and teams have already been eliminated. And okay. The cup tied. Because what was the one where it's just like two players? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think because I remember that term, cup tied. Yeah, 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 yeah I remember yeah. that too. Okay, yep. Joao Cancelo is not cup tied. Oh my god, I can't type right now. <laughs> <laughs> I had slashes in there. Do you see that? Yeah. Uh, Bayern is going to play against PSG. PSG. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day. Maybe maybe the massacre. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. <laughs> Joao Cancelo should be able to play in that game. Um, it's gonna be a tough game. I don't know. Could swing either way, to be honest. Yeah, we'll do we'll do a Champions League uh, Champions League preview. Yeah, in the episodes to come. Um, but yeah, as far as transfers go, I mean, those are the big, big ones and the implications that they're going to have going forward for each club. Um, FA Cup. Talk about Wrexham real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. Towards the end of our our podcast here, we usually hit on uh, Wrexham. The Welsh side in the fifth tier of English football, owned by Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney. FA Cup match against Sheffield United, and in a huge redraw at the race course at home for for Wrexham. The game was broadcasted on ESPN and on Sportsnet for us in Canada. Pretty cool to be able to actually see a game like on good quality TV because I know you can like mm-hmm. stream it if you become part of their fan group or something on your computer. But this was like actually like a national broadcast. And fifth round, I believe, I think. Fifth or fourth? The fourth going to, fourth to go to the fifth or something I think, like that. Yeah. So I mean, the, it's getting nitty gritty time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, ended in a three three draw. I mean, they had a chance. Uh, Sheffield United with a red card. The guys, the guy's Canadian actually too. They got the red card for Sheffield. Oh yeah, he's Canadian. Oh. Yeah, he's he's born in. I think he was born in Canada, but then he moved to England. He was like ten, so he represent he can represent both England or Canada. He hasn't played any international men's games yet for mm-hmm. uh for england yeah, i think he's played like u19s but he could play for canada if he wanted to okay. um once he makes his debut for the actual national team but if he picks up a red card Sheffield go down to 10 men Wrexham takes advantage go up three two with maybe eight minutes to play or so and then they just 95th minute off a corner just <laughs> late goal goes in yeah tough to see that for Wrexham and uh Ryan Reynolds was actually in attendance for that game too. They kept panning to him, and he was like celebrating, and then he get all depressed, and then he was cele- celebrating yeah, with the fans. That was a roller coaster for him. Uh, it's pretty funny to see that, and the passion's obviously there from him, and the commitment's obviously there for him too. But at the same time, they're also making documentaries, so like he's got to be a little, 
yeah, a little charismatic for the camera. Mm-hmm. But man, if they could actually see this, see this this result out somehow, they have to go back to Sheffield for the return game because it did end in a draw. So that's gonna be a tough mm-hmm. one. Yeah, going to like an actual stadium to play. Yeah, and you know that's kind of the nature of these like these kind of cup draws in the FA Cup. I mean, just like a gritty draw <laughs> is kind of like the the storyline. Um, so yeah, we'll see how they go. They they handle it at Sheffield, but um, you know, Wrexham is obviously a whole new team. So if anyone's gonna do it, it's gonna be them, right? And yeah. they are top table right now too, in in the north north league. Uh, whatever it's called i think i think they are top i think they have two games in hand. So i don't think they're top anymore but they're uh it's always so hard to find their yeah Rex league table yeah okay yeah. you're right joe uh two two points back with one game in hand yeah knots county did they draw the their first. last game i thought it was they might have drew their last game Oh, no, they won. No, they're on a six-game win. <laughs> yeah, they're at least, uh, at least crushing games. it. Yeah, they've only, wait, they've only played 27. Well, I mean, that's an old... That might have been a different thing. Okay, they've played 27, two games yeah. in hand, three points back. There you go. Plus 47 goal differential. Yeah, them and Knott's County are uh, quite a ways from the rest of the pack. And like we said before, only one team gets out directly from this league. It's so brutal. And then the other seven go to a playoff. It's so brutal. Or sorry, six go to a playoff. And you then give, one you gets the seventh place team and like see yourself. Out. And one gets promoted. That's and one gets crazy. Promoted. I mean, because what in the in the championship two get promoted, and then, yeah, then four, and then four going to a playoff, which isn't like I think it's four, but seven. You could have yeah, like a but mediocre, one and then seven is like, like... You could have a very mediocre season. Like, Borham Wood is in seventh place right now. They have 10 wins, nine draws, seven losses. Yeah. And they, they could just get hot yeah. at the end of the year and qualify for the next... To, yeah. uh, get game promotion to the next division. Yeah. Meanwhile, Wrexham is 25-2. and two. And they, yeah. they'll have to fight and crawl to get through. Yeah. If they don't win the league. I mean, I'm, I don't know how the bracket works, but I'm assuming if you finish second and third, uh, you get a bye... In the playoff, so like Chesterfield would have played Borumwood and Barnett would have played. Or Bromby. just two v seven, two v seven, three v six. Oh no, that wouldn't make out then to be three. Yeah. Teams. Okay, yeah, you may be right. Yeah. So you don't have place. I don't know. So <laughs> crazy. It really is. I don't think our team would do in here. And then what? Four get relegated. <laughs> to where? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Where like, do you drop the league, from, like, the, the league, league below this league. <laughs> I think Maidstone United is where Tatiana and Pete used to live. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. I think this is like their team. Okay. I think, I think they used to live in Maidstone because they made a comment on that. There's like, I think it's like Essex County that they lived in and it was like Maidstone, which is like their team, which is kind of funny. There's like similar to here. Could, could Pete have played like for Maidstone? Is that like... Well, let's be serious. I don't know. <laughs> Back in the day? I don't know. Maybe the quality wasn't there. I don't know. I think they, they said they used to like pick up, but it wasn't like... Yeah, these kind of guys. But, like, I really do like wonder our team like in this division. Like, like obviously we play yeah, senior like, how, men's. How we like, probably get relegated. What we do? I don't know. <laughs> it's probably really hard. I mean, yeah. Rexham's in this league. And yeah, I know the toughest thing in the world is to really just pin pin your own team against like these these guys because even though these are 
you know, six divisions low, lower than the Premier League, whatever it is. Like, they obviously are still good. Yeah. We would we would get... But it's like crushed. just being here in Canada and only having like one, well, two now, I guess, like professional leagues. Yeah. I mean, it, that's why it's so... Like, it's that's why it's so yourself. hard in North America because like, it's like college and then pro. There's no like... There's no in between. Where Like, where is like... Windsor TFC and like the rank of all the leagues. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I like about like. That's what I love about this structure. Like, if you're like Chicharo, even if we were in like the seventh division of the Canadian league, like it's like oh, if like we win the league, go to the, like sixth. Yeah, and then it's like we yeah, it's promotion. So, but like you can't gate. It's like, and that's what's kind of maybe not frustrating, but like you know, if you if they had this structure and you knew like, Oh, we're in like the fifth tier of Canada. It's like, can we go to England and be in like the seventh tier? Or like, if we were in like good enough to be in like the third tier, but just the way it's structured here, like you don't yeah, really you have no idea. You don't really know. You're just on travel and then you go to college. And then if you're good enough, you get drafted, mm-hmm. but like, you don't really know like where your club team yeah. is at. Yeah. So like the highest level that we can really play is like a U 18. And then yeah. Yeah, you go to college and then maybe go to a CPL or an MLS. Yeah. But these guys are literally, like senior men's players. These guys are all over the age of 18. Yeah. For the most part, you would think. And like, they're just like us. They're like in their thirties and like a couple of guys in their younger twenties. Yeah. And they're just playing senior men's soccer. Yeah. But in like a third or like a fifth or sixth division. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and that's the, that's the thing with how it's structured now. Like you don't actually know. And that's maybe the reason they want to change. Cause like, it's tough. Like I forget who said it, but like it's a play to, pay-to-play system with how the leagues are structured yeah. here. Here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Like, if you're like if you're a 21-year-old something, like, you don't know where you stand in your level compared to, like, going pro, really, if you're yeah. in Canada. Yeah, there's really no comparison. No. Like, you'd have you, to... You'd have, you'd, have to, to you'd have to leave. Pay for yourself to go overseas. Yeah. You have to hire an agent to get you a trial somehow, and then just, like, put... You have to bet on yourself. Yeah. And you have to expose yourself. Because I know there was the one, uh, the fairy kid, Johnny Fairy. Remember? Oh, yeah. He went to Swansea. Yes, yeah. And it was it, it was tough. Like, he went to Swansea and he was just, like, away from home for a while, like, trying to grind it out. And it's just tough because, like, you have to go overseas and you're away from home. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully it changes. It would be nice if it was, like, the MLS and then the CPL and then, like, League One, League Two, mm-hmm. League Three. And then it's, like, oh, like, Windsor. Windsor League is like league is like this league. Yeah. And like if you like, win our men's league, then you go to play men's league from here to you know, London or something. And then like you go to the States and like go from here to like Ohio. Yeah. It's like a league from Ohio to London or some shit. And yeah. You just, like, just play all around. You win yeah. that, you go to yeah, and Western there, yeah. US or whatever, Eastern US. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I just, that's obviously like a pipe dream. Like that's way past what we would be experiencing in our age yeah if, mm-hmm. if it ever did happen it'd be years and years down the road but i guess the, the infrastructure and the money is just not there yet in in soccer even like in hockey though like hockey's huge for you know for canada yeah but other than like the ahl and like their affiliates to the nhl there isn't yeah. not there isn't really another men's league i guess yeah like there's like the east coast hockey league which is kind of like what the ahl is but it's on the eastern side of like the mm-hmm. north america and that's mostly like men's that are playing that. And they're, you know, getting paid maybe 30000 a year or something like, like that. Mm-hmm. Not totally sustainable for like a full-time job, I guess. It's not even a yearly, it's not a year-round uh, job. But like you're getting paid to play a sport. Yeah. yeah. Still at that level. 
But for if that's if it's getting thirty thousand dollars for some guys in the AHL and they actually have like professional affiliates, like soccer's not gonna get that. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no way. Yeah. I know we were talking to people like to university and they like like big hockey fans and like football fans are like they like the idea of relegation. Oh yeah. No, because it's like talking a lot. It's just weird when you think about it. It's like, oh, these teams, no matter how bad they do, they're always gonna be in the pro league. Yeah, and the owners are always going to make money. They're all and like you know what I mean. So here it's like, you know, <laughs> you have to perform. If not, like yeah, you drop yeah. down, and like the teams that perform well, it's like oh, they're going to take your spot if you don't. So it's just like it's just interesting. It's way more incentive based. Yeah, like you just get complacent in professional sports in North America because you just like you said, you know you're always going to be here. Yeah, like the team. There is there is times like obviously or the team is so bad or like the value of the team is so low that they do like sell a team, but they yeah. don't like leave. Like they don't like the the city might lose the team, but the team doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Like they don't drop down and get replaced. The players are all the same. Yeah. Like, like you know, management might change a little bit, but like you'd think the management's kind of gonna be kind of the same, just in a new city. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just I don't know. Yeah. Relegation is, is is a fabulous thing. It's it's cutthroat, obviously. Yeah. Like, look what Everton but, went through last year and possibly this year. Yeah. Being a huge star like they are. But hey, man, you got to perform or else, like you said, someone's going to come for your spot. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, you would never, if this wasn't, like, how many players would not, like, you think of people like Vardy and Conte and, like, even Mares. Like, they're just on Leicester. They grind it out and, like, they get promoted and now they're, like, superstars. Like, that would never, never happen. Yeah. Yeah, we've gone through the Angola Conte saga before. He was playing like second division France, and then he played like I think he went from second division France to like Leicester. Yeah, and then like won the league and then went to Chelsea. Yeah, like within three or four seasons, he was from division two France to you know winning a title with Chelsea. It was like the starting yeah. center mid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for like a sixty million dollar transfer or whatever it was. Yeah, and that's the thing—you get the opportunity to get recruited when you have this kind of system. Yeah, more right. exposure for yourself yeah. and everything too. I, I don't know how legit it was, but like when I was 17 or 18, I, I'm I'm very confident that the site that I used was legit. It was like um, like a scouting site for soccer, right? Like you, it's, it's a website you just kind of put your stats out there, your performance, whatever, um, like your attributes and all that kind of stuff, and then you just like submit it, and then if teams see it or are interested, they'll like ask you to come for like a tryout or something. Yeah, I don't know. It it seemed legit at the time, but I was also maybe a little naive. But I got a message from like Marseille, and I was like, "We want you to come try out for our team, but like, you got to pay for everything yourself." Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, this sounds a little sketchy." Yeah, but I was like, "That like obviously, I don't think there was like much legitimacy to that." But that being said, like it was me putting myself out there still. Like it wasn't like someone coming to our games and like watching us play and getting a scholarship given out or yeah. saying, "Hey, come join our youth academy team." That doesn't happen here. No, you know, we were 12, 13 years old playing at our level, high caliber soccer, like we were playing really good at that young age, we definitely would have been like noticed by somebody you would think if we were mm-hmm. playing in England. Yeah. Yeah. That's like it. Maybe, not, maybe not us, but like other guys that we played with. Yeah. Like there was a lot of good guys that we played with here in Windsor, like at that young age where you would get noticed, but there's just, who's going around scouting. Yeah. There's no like. Kubota versus Tecumseh at like U13. Yeah. There's no like, and that's thing. there's no, like I don't even know how it is in hockey and baseball and football, but there's no like, I know they have farm teams, mm-hmm. but there's no like academies for like, oh, we found like a really good 10 year old hockey player. Like, let's bring him into the academy. Yeah. No, I don't you're, know if that's. You're older at that point. I don't I mean, know. Like, you get 
like for college football, you're scouted through high school. Yeah. Like you put film out, people go to your games, you get a lot of like notice that way. Um, your stats are easily more accessible and everything. So people can actually like see you develop as a player and then you'll get like an offer when you're in like grade 10 or 11 to go to like University of Michigan or something. And then yeah. your career kind of kicks off from that. I know for yeah. f- I know for football, it's like a little bit different where it's yeah. like, because high school football is huge. So like obviously there's a lot going on there. But like soccer, hockey, baseball, I don't know if there's like... We're bottom. We're definitely bottom tier when it comes to like exposure oh, yeah. with that kind of stuff. Yeah, like it's like it, you have to put yourself out there. If you're a really good ten year old, you have to like <laughs> your parents have to sit, like yeah. know what to do. Basically, oh yeah, yeah for and sure. Like, we didn't have YouTube when we were ten. Yeah, you couldn't just make a you couldn't make a compilation video of yourself. Yeah, and post it in two thousand and two, two thousand one, mm-hmm. and get it like, recognized like you would now. There's like 11 year old kids on YouTube that are like making millions of dollars on top of their YouTube videos. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, we're sitting here in my basement doing a podcast about it. <laughs> um, just the difference in what I, I mean, it's so bad to dwell on it, but like, I always think of like the could have been's like if we were in, like lived in England or something. Oh yeah. Like, like what if we would have been in England and like someone did see me playing when I was like 13 or something like that. Yeah. Um, Who knows? It's always fun to think what? about that, but it's not not, not very healthy either. <laughs> um, so yeah, matchups are back this weekend in the Premier League. Um, let's see where the good ones at. Yeah, so Friday kicks off with Chelsea and Fulham, followed by Everton and Arsenal. The early game on Saturday morning: Brighton and Bournemouth, Man U and Crystal Palace, Brentford, Southampton, Wolves and Liverpool, and Aston Villa and Leicester. Newcastle and West Ham is the late game on Saturday. Nottingham Forest and Leeds on Sunday, and then Tottenham and Man City, the 11.30 match on Sunday morning, rounds out your table and the schedule. Um, Tottenham City, obviously huge. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to look at the Chelsea game clearly and see what the hell they do with their, with their, <laughs> their influx new, of players. Their new team. <laughs> Literally like 40 guys for this team right now. Um, yeah, I, I recommend anyone to go out there and just also see like the new rosters with new uh, new players. A lot of teams we didn't touch on did get some guys, um, either like more lower tier or like mid level tier players. Um, but I mean, don't 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 count that out. Like just because we're not talking about them, or they didn't go for 107 million, mm-hmm. doesn't mean they might not be impactful or one for the future. So yeah, do your research on there as well. Um, so it's fun to see, you know, what new guys arrive in the transfer window and what impact they can provide to their club. Um. Yeah. Cool. Very good, boys. Cool. Good. Yeah. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening. You can get us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. This will be up on YouTube as well for the audio version. Um, like and subscribe. Leave a comment on everything. It really helps us in the channel and our account on the podcast platforms. As always, we will tune in next week after all the loot action. See you, bro. See you. Ciao.